Welcome to Priority Message Series 1. This podcast is brought to you by the Fire and Rescue Services Association, a trade union within the Fire and Rescue Service that is independent and member-led. You can find out more about FRSA by visiting frsa.org.uk. Well, hello again and welcome to Season 2 of Priority Message, the podcast from the Fire and Rescue Services Association. And with me today, I have our President, Mark Palmer, who is in the studio to discuss the ongoing consultation process in Warwickshire Fire and Rescue Service. Hi, Mark. Hello, Tristan, and uh, thank you for uh, putting us together today. No problem. It's really good. Hopefully, we'll have a productive session uh, and provide a lot of information, although we haven't got all the answers, uh, a lot of information for the listeners and the viewers that are out there. So do you just want to remind the listeners, because this is a this is a follow-on from a previous podcast we've done on Warwickshire, do you just want to give an overview of the reasons behind the consultation process and the broad proposals that the fire authority and the senior leadership team are making? Uh, uh, yes. So, obviously, um, following on from our previous uh, podcast that so you've done with Ben um, at the beginning of this consultation, um, obviously Warwickshire are proposing to remove all our on-call fire appliances um, from the county. Um they're changing some of the crewing systems and they're introducing a part-time crewing system as well, um, part of the consultation. The biggest concern we've got, obviously, is reducing the appliances um, from uh, 21, I believe, now to uh, only eight um, between the hours of 10 o'clock at night and eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and we believe that, obviously, Warwickshire aren't... Um, understanding the full risks within those time periods within those communities. Um, so that's, that's one of the areas we are. Um, I think that's a, that's a key point uh, straight off the bat, Mark. You know, currently they've got up to 21 appliances in the evening. Uh, they're reducing that down to eight. And also they've got 23 appliances during the day, and they're looking to reduce that down to 12. So a significant reduction in the number of frontline resources that will be available to serve the public. Yes, yeah. So, so we, this is a consultation, and they're, they're saying it's a resource into risk. Um, but we don't believe that they've actually looked at the full risks within the area for the twenty-four hour period um, within Warwickshire. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. So you're quite right. They've titled it "resource into risk." Yet all the data that they've used and what they focused on uh, is the demand, the number of calls and the location of calls, historic calls that that county has received. And there seems to be little to no discussion um, as to the risk in the county and how that is going to be managed going forward. Yeah, exactly. And the detail still isn't there within the, the actual um, proposal. Um, the option that they put forward, we are struggling to understand exactly uh, what it means to our members and for the public of Warwickshire. 
Um, we've even done freedom information requests to gather information that we shouldn't really need to do because all the information should be readily available for the members of the public to understand exactly what they're, they're agreeing to. So the key lines on the proposal um, is the, the assumption that the on-call duty system is not fit for purpose anymore. Uh, availability over the last uh, few years has gone down significantly. Uh, and we don't dispute that, and we don't dispute the fact that the status quo is not an option. But what Ben Brook, the chief in Warwickshire, is looking to do is is to remove all of the on-call, so approximately 120 posts. All of those would be gone. They would move to a model whereby they rely uh, on their whole time staff, reverting back to the 1970s when we had the 224 system. So rather than modern um, crewing uh, models, uh, day crewing plus and, and, and the like, they're going back to 224. Um, in addition to that, they've come up with this idea of part-time contracts. And that would be um, where individuals are sitting on a station between the hours of 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. on selected stations. And I think I'm right in saying, Mark, that there are 64 of those posts? We believe so, yeah. But yeah. we're not absolutely we're not sure, sure. What, sort of, what sort of person would be undertaking those contracts in, in terms of how they maintain competency, uh, how they crew appliances, etc. And then in addition to that, there are uh, proposed to be 128 individuals who will form part of a surge team. What can you tell us about this surge team that the brigade is proposing? So th th this is this is a strange strange one for us because we can't understand exactly what the surge team is all about. Um, what it's made up of, um, what it consists of. We're in a way, it is like an on-call service, um, but with a two-hour callback on it. Um, the ACO Sally Waldron said to local radio back in January that they can guarantee cover for the surge teams. So if they can guarantee cover for the surge teams, how are they going to provide that? And they can't give us that detail. They can't give us how they're going to guarantee that, that cover. Now, they will have to pay them a retainer more than what they're paying on-call staff now to retainer to guarantee it because we know that the retainer at the moment for on-call staff isn't sufficient to maintain 100% availability. So for them to guarantee 100% availability of a surge team, that retainer is going to have to be sufficiently higher than what they're paying at the moment. It, and we don't know the detail um, to the search team. Now, the proposals represent a saving of £14,000 on a budget of, I believe, £24 million? It's around about £24 million. I think the staffing costs, uh, I'm not sure about the overall cost, but I think the staffing costs are approximately £12 million. Right. 
to have a to represent a saving on this proposal of fourteen thousand pounds, they must have the detail of the cost of a surge team. Now, Warwickshire Fire and Rescue can't tell us the detail of our surge team. So, how can this this be true? So, this this doesn't make any sense to me either. So, a cabinet paper provided um, the headline figures, and you're absolutely right at the bottom of which it suggests that these proposals will provide a saving of £14,000. So, you know, this is supposed to be cost neutral because £14,000 in a budget uh, of staffing costs of, of £12 million is, 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 is chicken feed, really. So, you're absolutely right. To, to come to that conclusion of a saving of £14,000, they must know what the staffing costs will be under this proposal. And we have been asking for the financial breakdown of this proposal since the 27th of November and we're still waiting. So not only do we not know what the staffing costs will be of each station under this proposal, we've also asked for a copy of the terms and or the draft terms and conditions for the surge team. Um, and we were recently told, I think it was last week, Mark, um, that that isn't available. Yeah. So... So if it's not available, what is the surge team? We don't know what the surge team is going to be. We don't know how, where the appliances to crew them are going to be situated. Yes, the fire stations are going to be left there to house a vehicle of some kind. But we've got to make sure that obviously the equipment is tested and ready for operational use. And that's not going to be left at those those what we call garages because that's what they're going to be they're not going to be fire stations they're garages just housing a vehicle to move or crew the for the surge team to move around the county um but the equipment has to be maintained and and stuff like that so the detail to that is is not there either so um yeah it's it's very concerning to us that you know we're trying to the public have got to make a decision the county council has got to make a decision on something that we don't know nothing about at all and from from my viewpoint, if if you believe that the status quo is not an option and, and something needs to be done, which you know we, we wouldn't disagree with in terms of the on call availability, and you're going to propose something that's radical, and I would suggest removing your entire on call establishment is pretty radical. That you would have thought that the information and the proposal, the alternative proposal to the current model would be robust, it would be um, evidenced by appropriate data, by financial data, but we just don't seem to be able to access that, do we? No, not not at all. Um, now, Chief Fire Officer Ben Brook said about the duty systems, about it not being recognised, um, some of the duty systems, and that's why there's one of the key reasons why they're changing it. Now, the part-time shift system is not a nationally recognised system. The surge team is not going to be a nationally recognised system. So the only system nationally recognised is the old 224 and the on-call. And yet he's made that, that point that he wants to move to the recognised crewing systems. Um it doesn't that doesn't make sense either. I, I think it probably would be helpful to the listeners <clears throat> just to clarify a couple of things and expel a couple of myths here. Um, 
does a does a does a fire service crewing model have to adhere to what's in the grey book? No, it doesn't. And and we've demonstrated that around the country. You know, what we want is a crewing model that is fit for the twenty first century, isn't it? That that actually is um usable. So no, the services don't have to uh follow um that agreed model. So 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 we know that. So um the the claim by Ben Brook that he needs to to go back to something that fits with the grey book just doesn't hold any water. Um other than legalities. So day crewing plus there are versions of day crewing plus and have been versions of day crewing plus um, around the country and a number of services moved to that particular model because it provided uh, uh, an immediate response but it was a lot cheaper wasn't it it was hundreds of thousands of pounds cheaper than the old-fashioned 224 principally because it relied on um, a, a smaller establishment to crew each appliance that that was in place in a number of brigades and what has happened is that because that didn't conform with the working time regs, um, that local collective agreements needed to be made with the recognised trade union or trade unions. And that did happen in a number of brigades, including Warwickshire. Um, and, and that would be with the FBU. But the FBU have withdrawn from those agreements and therefore making those crewing models illegal. So... That's principally probably why Benbrook wants to go back to something under 224. Um, but in terms of part-time firefighting model, in terms of surge teams, surge teams certainly aren't in the grey book, are they? No. No, definitely not. No. So, you know, are these proposals, we can argue about the costs there's certainly lots of holes, we think, in the cost and lots of unanswered questions in the cost. So is Ben Brook doing this to improve response standards, attendance times? So, again, we've looked at that. And the, the attendance times that Ben Brook is actually saying is going to be improved is 17 seconds for the first appliance. However, other appliances are going to be a lot longer. Now, for our members, that is a, a big risk. They're going to be on the fire ground with less crew, longer, trying to deal with the initial um, times, um, the initial part of the, the incident with less crew. Um, so, and they need the backup from those second and third appliances. Um, so those times are important to us uh, for that risk. So I'm just looking at the average, and these are all the, the brigade's own figures we're, we're referring to here, because I think that's that way we can't be accused of um, skewing any data. But looking at the um, proposed attendance times for the first appliance, we see uh, a 17 seconds, as you said earlier, 17 seconds uh, improvement countywide, a seven-second improvement in North Warwickshire, a 35-second improvement in Nuneaton and Bedworth, and an 11-second improvement in Rugby. But in Stafford and in Warwick, we see an increase. In fact, in, in Stratford, it's a two-minute and four-seconds increase. That 
that's not good if you live in Stratford or Warwick, is it? No, that that's a massive increase in two minutes in, in those areas. Um, so again, one of the reasons why they're um, doing this, one of the key reasons for doing it was to improve response times. Well, they've demonstrated with their own figures that's not the case across Warwickshire. And, you know, if we talk, and you alluded to it earlier with regards to, you know, relying on on your backup resources, if, you, if we look at the average attendance times for the second appliance, it's pretty grim reading. Um, county-wide, the attendance time increases, admittedly only by 12 seconds, but it does increase. North Warwickshire, that increases by two minutes and nine seconds. Nuneaton and Bedworth, that increases by just shy of two minutes. Rugby improves uh, in terms of a reduction of six seconds. But again, Stratford, um, the response time increases by way over three minutes. And Warwick also increases by some seconds. So there doesn't seem to be any benefit at all in terms of the attendance times for the second appliances. No, there's no benefit there at all. But look at the risk that's there. The support that's not going to be in place um, for those initial crews. So, I mean, I, I read those stats, the brigade's own stats, <clears throat> and I just think to myself, what is it I'm missing? Because I'm, I'm struggling to see as to why this, this proposal is being made, because it doesn't appear to be providing the public with a faster response time. <clears throat> it doesn't appear to be ensuring that the firefighters are safe on the incident ground. It doesn't seem to be being made uh, in terms of costs. It just seems to be ideology. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, it just doesn't make sense at all. And is this, this is just a personal opinion. I just wonder whether this is because Ben Brooke, who's been the chief there for a couple of years, he, he previously was in West Mids. So he will have li- have had little to no exposure to on-call at all. Um, takes over Warwickshire, that's got approximately 120 an establishment of 120 on-call firefighters, is asked to improve the availability, and I, I don't think he knows how to do it. No, and that's... The, the thing is, Benbrook needs to look, look at other chiefs, look at what other services are doing. You know, he's actually saying that his service, I think, was in the last report was 40% available for on-call. Now, their stations, their services on his border up in the 80 80 mark for availability you know there's so you're talking about hereford and worcester um shropshire as well is up shropshire around, yeah is so <clears throat> because there have been um references made in a number of meetings um by uh, ben brooke and his senior leadership team and elected members that on-call availability recruitment and retention is a national issue yes it is in other places, but there are also services that are managing their on-call exceptionally well in very, very similar circumstances to Warwickshire. Yes, yeah. And and if you look, 
the percentage availability again the information's not not there and published but whole time availability i, I believe in warwickshire last month was 92 percent you know so they're not 100 percent so if you're looking at on-call services are actually achieving in the late 80s percent availability that's really good in comparison um to what's happening in warwickshire what's happened in warwickshire why is warwickshire so low that's a question i would ask you know what aren't they getting right um well i think just on that point um because it's a question we've asked and again it's been referenced in a number of public forums that the service have a 22 point plan in terms of improving um, on-call recruitment and retention <clears throat> and that, that that plan's been implemented and hasn't bared any fruit so we requested a copy of this 22 point plan and it's on it's on the screen now for the viewer and it lists a number of things um, and I believe that this is from it's actually 22 ideas um, and it comes being boiled down from a number of ideas that has been thrown into a pot of about 100 and the management have decided to focus on these points. Now, I would argue that some of those points aren't particularly um, going to improve recruitment and retention for on-call particularly. Some of them are, are, are nice to-dos. Um, so I, I requested a meeting with the leads um, the, the management leads for this on-call plan um, and only to be told that the vast majority of those 22 points have not been acted upon because they were deemed to be unviable, um, deliberately put on hold or there isn't the budget. And some of the things that have been progressed I don't even think should form part an on-call recruitment and retention strategy, such as um, the number of drill nights a dual contractor would undertake. I'm sure that's a consideration to be made, but I can't quite see how that's going to improve recruitment and retention. But that forms part of the 22-point plan. Is what, what would you expect a, a plan to consist of um, to improve recruitment and retention of its on-call? So it'd be looking, it'd be understanding the on-call, understanding the challenges the on-call have. At the end of the day, the on-call firefighter has different priorities in their life. They have their main employment, their family life, and then the on-call service. And the services in these plans need to understand that. They need to understand that the, the issues the on-call firefighter has in relation to providing cover when they need to. And, and I'm just looking in, in a bit more detail um, in, in what was put forward. I mean, one of the things that was progressed was an exit interview. Well, it's, it's 2024. I wouldn't have thought not having an exit interview was happening in services today, but apparently it's quite a new phenomenon for Warwickshire to undertake exit interviews to identify why their on-call staff are leaving. I mean, that sort of thing to me is unbelievable and and it, that understanding 
why people are leaving will help them plan their retention. Because if they don't understand why people are leaving, how can they look at improving retention? They need to understand uh, the, the big picture, don't they? They do. And, um, you know, the people I spoke to within Warwickshire are very, very nice um, um, and very helpful. But I did get the impression, the strong impression that they do not understand on call at all. No. And if you don't understand a, a problem, you're probably not best positioned um, to, to provide solutions on how to make it work effectively. Well, you're better positioned to see what's going on more around the country, Tristan. What what are other services doing then that Warwickshire aren't? Well, if you want people to stay, you've got to stop putting barriers in their way. And we we find in a number of services, and Warwickshire won't be any different, that revised policies, new policies that come in, just make doing the job harder. Um, there's far too much bureaucracy. There's far too many um, risk-focused training sessions that are put on this. There's far too much inflexibility in undertaking training courses. Uh, I think one of the things that come out of my conversations with the brigade was that they hold uh, two or three uh, recruitment sessions a year. Well, why? Because if, if you express an interest at the wrong time, you're probably not going to get your hands on any equipment or, or um, have any um, interest expressed back to you for five months. People are going to lose interest and, and, and they're not going to want to join. So I'm a great believer in visiting local stations, getting your hands on equipment at an early stage, getting to meet people, getting a really good understanding of what's expected of the role. The, the ta- you know silly things like the taking of annual leave. You and I have had this discussion before. Some services want you to take annual leave in blocks of seven days. Well, that's bonkers. If you yeah. only want to take a day off or a few hours off, and some services have got good practice in terms of um, taking uh, annual leave off in in blocks of hours. Um, I was speaking with somebody in another brigade only last week. And they've reduced their um, recruitment process down from 18 months to three by compacting what can be done on each time they are exposed to the individual, whether that is your, your, your necessary checks, um, your assessments, um, whether it's your, your interview, it's your fitness. All those things can be compressed to make the period in which You've got somebody expressing an interest to actually being an employee all the way down because we know that a number of services still have a process that can last up to 18 months, during which time a number of people will just say, do you know what, I don't think you're particularly interested in me. I don't think you're a particularly great organisation if it takes this long to allow me to join. You're telling me you're desperate for on-call firefighters. I'm here. I'm willing to, to fulfill that role. And a year down the line, I'm, I'm still not riding the truck. It, it disincentivizes people who want to join. And I think a number of services, just like Warwickshire, lose lots of people who have got an interest, but just, just give up due to the way that they're treated. 
Yeah. And I, obviously, we don't want to spend too much time on this conversation because um, we're obviously talking about the Warwickshire proposals and that. But I'd like to signpost people, the listeners to this podcast, your previous podcast with Steve Healy, the NFCC on-call lead, um, because that does give more information about where we need to move with regards to the on-call service and how flexible we need to be. Would you say as I like Tristan? Yeah, I think the we'd like to get Steve back on because <clears throat> it was a very it was our most popular podcast. But if I can just add to what you said, <clears throat> you know, we need to incentivize being a driver. We need to incentivize being uh, an OIC. We need to incentivize um, being a BA wearer. All those things, particularly the driver aspect. Why would you want to be a driver these days? Yeah. You get paid exactly the same on a turnout. You've got a huge amount of responsibility. You've got to undertake two to three weeks training. Um, we, we need to look at ways of incentivizing the role. We need to, I, I know we've spoken about this before in a separate podcast, we need to broaden the role. You know, we need to fill the voids that are currently being exposed within the NHS, whether that be co-responding, patient transfer, safe and well visits, all, all sorts of things. We need to be getting on with that to make the role more attractive, to open up the pool of people who might be interested in joining. But you're absolutely right. This podcast is about Warwickshire. Yeah, but I, what you've just said then, Tristan, I just want to bring up about what's just been released in the white paper back in December, the response of the white paper. And looking at the role will change in the next period of time, wherever it's going to be, and supporting um, health will be a way forward aboard in the role. However, with Warwickshire's proposal of removing these community stations that could provide that um, that need within their local communities, co-responding or stuff like that, removing these fire stations will stop that so that Warwickshire aren't looking at the future. They're not looking at future sustainability of their community fire stations. And that's a, one area that I, I'm concerned about myself, you know, that they're not looking at the future sustainability. Well, I think just on that point, the other thing I'd, I'd add to in terms of resilience, because our understanding is that their reliance will be entirely on whole time. Um, these part-time posts may or may not also come from whole time the search team members are likely because the only way you're going to maintain your competence is by having another operational role as a search team member <clears throat> because by the brigade's own admission they're claiming that search teams will only be required four times in five years and i i keep having to say that out loud because i'm struggling to get my head around it their data, their historic data claims that search team members will respond on average four times in five years. So um, there's going to be a huge reliance on their whole time, some of which will come from outside of the county. Um, and if you're holding more than one contract, particularly a contract in, an, in another brigade, what happens when you're on annual leave? What happens when you're sick? What happens when you go on strike? You, know, you lose not just one person, you you lose a number of people where they hold more than one contract. So in terms of resilience, 
um, Warwickshire are going to be heavily exposed under this proposal. And and those times when the surge teams are called, um, I would imagine those crew members will be already at that incident. So they'll be waiting to be covered by replacement crews, which they would be. So they can't cover point. themselves by themselves. It's so. a brilliant point that we've, we've highlighted, and I, I don't know whether the brigade it just didn't dawn on them or what but you're absolutely right if you're a whole timer and also a surge team member and um we believe the service thinks that that's what's got to happen you can't call your surge team in to relieve um or, or take part in a big incident if they're the same people that's already at the incident or at another incident in another brigade um so that alone and it goes back to the point you raised the service have said these surge teams will guarantee a response. The service cannot make that claim. It's impossible, absolutely impossible. And I just want to pick up on a point when you just said then, Tristan, is the surge team will be used four times in five years. Now, we know during this consultation that the, the incidents that Warwick have attended during the, during the night time already would have required the surge teams to support um, ju just in this consultation period. Um, we know of two or three occasions that would have had to happen. Well, actually, I think as of today, I think it's probably six instances that potentially, um, but, but, but let's focus on one that we're aware of. There was, I think it was about a month ago now in, in terms of hospital mm -hmm. where um, under the proposals, there would be eight appliances available. At this particular hospital incident, um, which was around about 11 o'clock at night, I think, so after 10, uh, five appliances were tied up, which left, under the proposal, three appliances to cover the entire county. And, and referring you back to what you said right at the beginning, currently... The, the service has the potential to call on 23 appliances um, during the day and 21 at night. So to, to all of a sudden have only three because five are tied up at an incident seems to be putting everybody at huge risk, the firefighters and the public. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and there's also something else which we've raised as an organised nation, that Warwickshire... Um, maintain and support national resilience and they provide um, crewing for national resilience assets. Now you might have a call into Birmingham for some of those national resilience assets which will take four or five support and appliances with them and that's got to be available as well. So again, you know, all that will do. So I have one incident in Birmingham that requires those assets. During those hours, you could be down to one or two appliances uh, available for Warwickshire. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't bear thinking about, does it? That That, that no. is frightening yes. when you describe it. I hadn't thought about the national resilience, but I know that is your forte. Um, uh, there's something else I wanted <clears throat> to pick up on uh, that the service is, is focused on. They're, they're focusing on what they call P1 and P2 data. So the service <clears throat> has, uh, I don't know whether all services do this, I don't believe so, 
But in terms of priority levels and definition, all the stats that they've used refer to P1 and P2 incidents. They seem to be completely disregarding P3, P4, P5. So P1 being incidents which pose an immediate threat to human life. Um, examples would be persons physically trapped, rescue from water, rescue from an RTC, building fire and persons reported. P2 incidents which pose a serious threat and high risk to the threat of life. Uh, building fire or explosion, fire on a train, uh, fire in electrical installations, caravan fire, lorry or coach fire. But that <clears throat> that seems to exclude a significant number of incidents that the brigade currently responds to. Yeah, that, that's confusing to me. I, I'm not quite un, unsure of why they're selecting those incident types um, and why they've put it in their proposal. Um, I, well, I... Um, a sceptic might say that it, it, it's used to make their proposals seem a little bit more robust than what it otherwise would be. But something that I was aware of this week <clears throat> is that their P1 and P2 incidents um, equate to approximately 9% of all of their calls. So they seem to be excluding over 90% of the demand. So... That then tells me that this proposal was just based on 9% of their calls. 100%. And so this is why it doesn't make sense to us. This yeah. is why the detail is not there for all that information that we need. Yeah. If it's just focused on 9% of their demand. So that identifies yet another flaw in the proposal. Yeah. yeah. So we, we've spoken for nearly three quarters of an hour now. Um, what, what are the next steps? What are, what are we doing to support our members in Warwickshire? So what we've been doing is we've been breaking down the proposal. We've been um, trying to get data from the service, and if not data, we've, we've um, put freedom of information requests in, and we have got some detail now on, on costs, um, another activity the service undertaken over the last few years. Um, so we are breaking down the proposal. Um, we cannot understand still the surge teams and how that's going to work and the costings to that. Um, but what we want to see is the service to relook at its proposals. Um, I think it's too late for them to withdraw the proposals. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, you know, on-call fire service, working alongside, working parallel with the whole time, will be the best service you could have. And they should be focusing on how they can make those working conditions for the whole time duty system and the on-call duty system, improve them um, and make them fit for the 21st century fire service. And that's what we are trying to do. Uh, uh, and we genuinely believe that, don't we? We believe that um, there is the scope and the opportunity to improve the uh, availability of on-call appliances in Warwickshire to a suitable and sustainable level. There, there's no reason why Warwickshire 
cannot achieve 80, 85% availability on their on-call appliances um, because other services are doing it, you know? And, and you know, looking at the, the evening cover, so availability um, from 7 at night till 7 in the morning, currently in Warwickshire, isn't too bad at all, is it? No. You know, you've no. got stations there providing 70, 80, 90% availability. It's, it's just during the day where things seem to to be falling down somewhat. And that's only at a few stations as well. If you look at Polesworth, for instance, on, on that uh, chart you just showed, it's up around 92%, I believe. Um, there's some good, there's some good practice there's some out good, there yeah. in, in pockets. And yeah. the service needs to... Um, I would say take a station by station analysis as to what's needed um, because I would imagine that the reason why these stations are off the run as much as they are are not due necessarily to a lack of crew, although that will be a factor, but it will probably be down to a lack of skill. Yes. Lack of a driver being available or an OIC or competent BA wearers. And, and that could be addressed quite easily uh, with a crew and pool system and putting the, the right skilled individual in place to cover that particular time period um, as long as it's managed well. And that will bring availability up, no problem at all. Okay, so we continue the campaign. We continue the belief that the proposals are fundamentally flawed on a number of different levels, whether that be cost, whether that be um, response standards, whether that be the uh, statistical data that they're using as well in terms of the P1 and P2. So we'll continue that campaign. And do you think we're going to be successful? I think we will. Um, I really do think we will because there's no substance to their proposal. And I think we've demonstrated in so many areas that it's not fit for purpose. Um, and for a county councillor to vote yes for the proposal without that detail and with all the information that we've provided over the last, um, what, six weeks, you know, we've provided the MPs, the local councillors, and we're going to do a response document to the, the consultation. No one can actually say that it's the right thing to do. No, with the information we're providing. They was, and I yeah, I hope they would then send a message back to Warwickshire Fire and Rescue to say, come up with a better proposal um, and support your own call. And we'd be more than happy to take part in providing um, some ideas on how to do that. I would also like to add uh, that I did invite Ben Brook onto a podcast, this podcast, um, to talk through his proposals and why he believed that they were the most appropriate things for Warwickshire, but um, he declined that invitation. Mm. So read into that what you will. Yeah. It's been great, um, Mark. I really do appreciate I know you're a busy man. I do appreciate you coming onto the podcast. Thanks ever so much. And we will provide a further update as and when is appropriate. Are you happy to come on again? Yes, yeah, definitely. Brilliant. 
Okay, I thank you for your time. Um, anybody listening or anybody watching the YouTube channel, um, if you'd like to contribute um, to the Warwickshire campaign, just visit the website frsa.org.uk and click the Contact Us tab. Give us your details and we will be in contact. If you're not currently a member, why? You can join via the website frsa.org.uk. There'll be more podcasts coming out in the second series in the future. So currently from Mark and myself, thank you very much for listening and watching and make sure you subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode of Priority Message, why not subscribe to the podcast and recommend to your colleagues? We hope you will be joining us again soon.